Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. And this friend, uh, we have been talking for a little while, trying to figure out the right time to get together and, you know, share our love of games and everything. And then just a lot of different events have come together, both in the world and in gaming and all sorts of places. And it's like, you know what? Enough dilly-dallying. I need to have this person on the show. So she is the person who runs the Board Games in a Minute channel on YouTube and other platforms. You probably heard her appearances on the Dice Tower and Find Games for Doomsday and other podcasts where she has shared her story. Very unique in this space, so you know I'm all about unique voices here in Shelf Stories. She is Sarah Shah. Welcome to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, walaikum assalam. Thank you for having me on. So that was intentional. We are going to, you, you know how I roll here on Self Stories. You can get the different origin stories from different places. And, you know, that's all good. Uh, and I especially recommend the Five Games of Doomsday. So I can't do what he does. Like, you know, get you to talk about like all these great, all these like different personal things. And you're just like, okay, I guess I'm talking about this now. Yeah, um, he's amazing. I love his, yeah. his podcast. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what? I could before we even get there. Like, I mean, and I know, like, I'm, I'm gonna let me kiss Ben's butt for a second. I don't, I'm not, I have no shame in that. Like, what was that like to be in the chair and like have someone like Ben Maddox or Five Games for Doomsday kind of like take you in different directions? Like, what, you know, how did that it's, feel? It was so great because honestly, um, you know, I don't want to like put down any of the other podcaster uh, channels I've been on, but you know, I tend to get asked the same questions over and over and over again. But when I was being interviewed by Ben to be asked questions that I'd never been asked before, I really appreciated that. And he is such a good listener and can really draw details mm -hmm. from you and just make you open up and make you feel at ease. Like he is wonderful at what he does. Like mm -hmm. I watch almost everything he puts out. I've, I've become a super huge fan, recently bought a shirt, which I'm not wearing right now, but I'm wearing my own board games in a minute shirt today. But I recently <laughs> bought a five games for Doomsday shirt just to show Aww. support. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and so I learned a lot. I learned a lot, you know, that you had gone to London and you went to school and you had a previous relationship and like different things. And it's like, wow, I'm I'm, really, I'm learning this in a board game podcast. And like, um, I, I try to, you know, on my show, on my show, I try to do it different, but like a different, different. So, <laughs> so my show is about culture and my show and, and this show is going to be about uh, religion, because if you are Muslim, which Sarah is Muslim, and we'll talk all about that. Religion and culture kind of can't be separated as cleanly as it is in the West. Is that is that fair? I would say that's fair. It's it's difficult to separate the culture from religion if you're Muslim. And you know, different Muslims are, have different cultures, and cultures are very uh, integrated with the religion. Yeah. Right. So we're gonna talk about that. We we this is what we do. We share voices. We share stories. And you know, the more we know about the world, and the more we know about people, the more. Like, I think our rich, our personal experiences, and we'll get into this, the more prepared we are for, to talk about difficult things that come up. So I will be completely transparent with people. This episode will be in two parts. One, we will focus more on gaming and more on kind of getting to know Sarah as a person. Uh, that will be on the podcast. The second part will only be on shelf stories and we will get into some of the current stuff, right? And I, you know, in terms of um, Muslim and 
what's happening in the world in Israel and different places. So you guys know I don't shy away from that, but I try to do it in a spirit of education, compassion. So, and Sarah is a good sport and Sarah is knowledgeable and she cares. So we're going to do the best that we can uh, to educate. So, but for, well, this is for gaming. This is for gaming. So like I say, in every episode of Voices, please share your gamer origin story, but with a cultural perspective. How did your culture, family of origin, play into how you got into gaming? Wow. Um, so <laughs> growing up, I didn't have the family like game nights that, you know, you would see people in the West have. And I so where did you grow up? Well, I actually grew up in America. I grew up in New York. I've born and raised in New York. But, you know, I grew up with Muslim parents who are from South Asia. So um, where in South Asia? Pakistan. So, I mean, okay. um, my, so my, would you identify as Pakistani? I guess. Yeah. So the thing is, I'm I'm what you call Sayed. I'm a descendant of Muhammad on both sides of my family. So I can trace my ancestry back to Muhammad and see where my ancestors lived during what time period. So how they migrated from the Arabian Peninsula through present day, you know, Iran, they were settled in Iran for a while and then to Pakistan. So the reason I do identify a lot with Iran is also because I'm Shia Muslim and where, mm -hmm. you know, you'll find Shia Muslims mostly in Iran, Lebanon, Iraq. And then a smaller amount in Pakistan. So yeah. And we'll go over those distinctions <laughs> later after we yeah. get into the gaming content. So um, growing up, you know, I didn't have the family game nights that like Americans would have, or I would assume most Americans would have, but I so badly wanted them. So, you know, we bought the typical, you know, family board games like Candyland and Monopoly. Um, actually, I don't even think I played Monopoly when I was little, like maybe like once or twice, but Candyland, Life and things like that. But we did play some Pakistani games, which are like carom board and it's like this thing where you flick around discs and stuff. Um, oh, that's yeah. so funny. I had um, Benita Kaur on another show and she's from Punjab and same game. Yeah. <laughs> same yeah. game. And I, and I know South Asia, India, Pakistan, they're gone. Like, you know, the, the, the governments are at war, but it's just the culture is so interwoven. Oh, the culture is basically the mm -hmm. same. Yeah. So, yeah, we, you know, play carom board. And then, you know, I have vivid memories of playing Chinese checkers with my family or like regular checkers. Um, unfortunately, they really didn't get into chess. And I love chess and I really, really suck at it. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, those are the kinds of games we played. And like, trouble and stuff like that but right. my mom is very competitive so my dad wouldn't really play unless it was like carom board or something like that but like when we would play games with my mom she's super competitive and she would not like let us win or go easy on us just because we're kids so I think I'm very competitive by nature too like I'm not a sore mm -hmm. loser and I'm I don't gloat when I win but yeah I am that comes up every once in a while so speaking of like diversions like I, I, so totally off script but I you, you triggered something in me Every once in a while, there'll be a, like a post from a parent that says, you know, in terms of like teaching games to their kids, should I let their kid, should I let my kid win? And there's a lot of difference. And there's people that just swear <laughs> by, you, you know, let them win every once in a while and go ahead and do that. You, you, it, and then there's the other side. And it sounds like you're solidly on that other side, aren't you? Oh, my God. And now, like, I play board games. Like, I've tried to get my mom into more modern board games. And I've introduced her to games like Azul and Porto. And she is so competitive. And she kicks my butt in Azul. Like, she is so good at Azul. And uh -huh. she, like, is so happy when she wins. Like, she'll you know, do a little dance. And she'll, like, really take pride in winning. <laughs> yeah. And so if you were to have a little one, if you were blessed um, by Allah to have a little one, would you do the same? 
would you like crush your kid and have them reconstruct their ego from the shattered remains? Or would you be like a little bit American where it's like, okay, he, he could have a little bit of things. That's a good question. Firstly, I don't think I want children. I mean, that's something mm. I had decided quite a while ago that I don't think children are for me for many reasons. But if for some reason life did give me a little one or I change my mind for some reason, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would, you know, maybe not be as competitive. I wouldn't necessarily let the child win. Hi, Sarah's <laughs> mom. <laughs> yeah, but maybe like, I don't know, like just uh, being, um, um, maybe go a little bit easier on them, but still try, but maybe not try too hard. Does mm-hmm. that count as letting them win? I don't know. <laughs> you wouldn't be you, you wouldn't quite replicate uh what you were handed down <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, does yeah. your mom watch your content no only if i show her like sometimes i'll go home and be like oh look at this new video i made and i'll just like show her she can't understand a word i'm saying it's too fast for her <laughs> she's mm. like oh wow okay and then that's mm-hmm. it <laughs> so. and so you grew up here in new york and then you know with the cult with the cultural games and like you know uh, mass market games and that kind of stuff uh, I'm j- I, you've told the story many times, but like the entry into hobby board games, like uh, tell us about that, that branching into and, and reaching that leveling up, as we like to say in the gaming verse. Yeah, I leveled up when I was in law school. Uh, my friends introduced me to Catan and I fell in love and I wanted to play it all the time. Like I wanted to, like I had a core group of friends and we would meet every like Thursday night or Friday night and get together for dinner or something like some activity or whatever. And I would beg and beg and plead like, let's play Catan again. Let's play Catan again. Like we played a total of maybe two or maximum three times I can vividly remember two times I don't even know if there was a third time so yeah so I did not get to play as often as I would have liked but then after law school I moved to London for a couple of years and that's when I started attending the London on board meetup and that's where I really discovered that there's this huge world of board games that I had no clue about and I'm so glad I attended like I would not (laughs) yeah awesome yeah I never would have you know, mm-hmm. and in this hobby, if it weren't for London on board, I think so. One of the things that uh, kind of emerged in like my other channels, when they talk about people growing up in other cultures, especially if it's immigrant culture, the, uh, did your, were your family like from Pakistan or did they, were they grew up here? Yeah, they were from Pakistan. My mom, my, both my parents were born there and then they moved here shortly after getting married. So both me, my older sister, and then my younger sister who came many years later were born mm-hmm. in, in America. And- yeah. So there's a, there's pressure sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that like getting, you know, the occasional game is fine. Like, you know, just like, you know, we're, we're okay. But like hobby gaming is a little bit much like now you're wasting your time. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> right. So I don't get that from my mom. Like my mom has been really cool. Like over the years I've, my mom has really evolved as a person and her mentality, like shifting from like this typical, like you know, South Asian mentality about things to becoming more and more educated and, you know, and why, you know, doctor. Yeah. Well, that (laughs) I, you know, for the longest time, that was an issue. Like I, you know, didn't matter at all. I'm not saying I didn't matter to my parents, but like, um, you know, not being a doctor is something that is, you know, 
kind of like you're seen as a lesser person sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. I, I would go to family parties, like dinner parties, and everyone would want to know what my older sister who's in med school, what she's doing, or, you know, when she became a doctor, no one cared about what I was doing. I wouldn't get asked how I am or anything like that. Like I was basically invisible. But once I became a lawyer and, um, you know, my mom needed legal advice here and there, and I was able to give it to her. And, you know, she found lawyers to be very useful and she suddenly learned like yeah being a lawyer is a good thing like and then she decided that every family needs a doctor and a lawyer so I was like okay good I, I changed her mind about something so mm -hmm. yeah but yes the board game thing like I have extended family who um I know you know think it's really weird and have made comments about it and like what kind of I'm curious everybody people like you know I know there's a lot of like modern white people who are like they, they, you know, maybe they got into games from their parents and they get like little comments here and there. When it's like a cultural situation, they sometimes they'll say stuff and it's like, whoa, sorry about that. Just like, yeah, just like, oh, it's a childish hobby. It's like, no, it's not like, you know, and I try explaining like all the really complex board games that they can get into and how sometimes it takes just an hour to learn a game. Like, you know, and I try to explain them the benefits of playing board games and how it keeps your mind like mm. active and can stave off dementia when you get older so you know but just there's this mentality that I'm just wasting my time that I'm just playing children's games and and she's just weird like why isn't she watching cricket why isn't she attending dinner parties and getting mm -hmm. dressed up in these like fancy South Asian clothes and watching Bollywood movies like oh she's you know heavily involved in this board game scene and I do get a lot of judgment about that mm. um, but not from my own immediate family they you know I've been able to show them how cool it is and they love it. Um, but extended family and people in the community. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I point that out because, you know, we talk about making board gaming a welcoming hobby. Like we got to work extra hard to convert some, or like at least, you know, appeal to some of these folks who it just, you know, they could be like, like your mom, like your mom is a perfect example. Like she, like, she would probably rock the house at a lot of these different like other games like passes yeah. all and everything. Yeah. And there's probably many, many millions of people that are like, you know, but they look at us and they're thinking, Ooh, this is, this is a, a you know, this is you know, whatever the words are. Yeah. Um, so like, not to say that there's like anything wrong there. It's just like, if we are interested in broadening a hobby, I think that's something to think about. Yeah. You know, and like and becoming cross-cultural that's like, okay, it's not just a matter of opening the door. No, we have to do a little bit more, more appealing themes, more diverse types of games, more variants of carom, who knows, you know, or. Yeah. Yeah. No, recently I played a game um, that I absolutely fell in love with Croft Wagon. Like when, mm. um, yeah. when it got pulled out and I was with two friends and when we first, when I first saw it, I was like, Oh God, I'm not going to like this. It's a game about like creating cars with like the best engines <laughs> and whatever the bodies. And I played it and I absolutely fell in love with it, but it gave me like an idea for like a South Asian themed game. And I was like, Ooh, like, like what, what's the, what's the theme? I, Cause I know you have percolating ideas, like different types of games. Yeah. So right now my main game that I'm working on is my elephant game, but it gave yes, me yes, the elephant worker placement game. Yes. But it gave me an idea about creating a game about world fashion like creating like mm. dresses from different areas of the world including shalwar kameezes and saris and clothes from like the middle east and africa so yeah i don't want to give away too much of my idea but it, it gave me an idea like that and so i thought that would be pretty cool to make someday i love that that's awesome
Yeah. All right. So then, and that's where we are, right? You know, we got into Catan and once you get, once you get, you know, pop that top, then it's like, okay, you got to, uh, all the other stuff. And if you want to know how, why she started board games uh, in a minute, other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've gone over that story plenty of times. Plenty of times, but at least if yeah. somebody, if, if nobody knows the channel, you can go ahead and introduce the channel and the concept. Yeah. So I run board games in a minute. Um, basically, I give rundowns of board games, like the gist of the game in a minute. If it's a more complex game, then it's basically the gist of the game. If it's a lesser complex game, sometimes I can even give a breakdown of the rules in a minute. So so it gives people an idea of whether the game is something that they would like or not in a minute. So, you know, you just spend a minute watching my video and then you can decide whether or not it's a game for you and then maybe go explore further content that's longer if you want more details about it so people yeah so people do find, yeah so people you know i've learned that people find my videos to be valuable which i really appreciate and love yeah cool. so that's board games in a minute and that is sarah's origin story now we're going <laughs> to get into i mean we had a pandemic and you know a lot of solo games a lot of solo oh, games yeah. hitting your table a lot of different uh things going on this is the one stop call shop podcast to be able to maybe share a little bit about over the last little while what has really struck your eye in turn in the solo space yeah i've played a number of solo games i started playing a number of solo games when the pandemic started um, it's hard for me to remember which ones I started with. I think Welcome To was the first one I started with. And I played Cartographers. I played a solo game of Chai, which has stunning components. And Chai T for Two is on Kickstarter right now. Um, you yeah. did a, a, a spot for T for Two, right? I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, um, so I've played a number of solo games. I find that I like solo games that don't require too much setup. I've played Tasty Human solo. I've played, you know, some other, of the other games that require a bit more setup, but I really enjoy games like Dice, uh, a Fleet the Dice game and um, Railroad Inc., which I recently got in my collection because um, I backed it on Kickstarter. I really enjoy games where, you know, the setup is minimal and I can, you know, play it, you know, without too much, you know, hmm. going on. Oh, I recently bought Cafe, which I really love. Um, what is cafe? It's like uh, you can play it solo, but basically you have your own little cafe and you're just trying to move along beans through the process of like, you know, um, I can't remember all the four steps, but there's like four different steps and you need to transfer beans from one place to another in your little tableau, like you're laying down cards strategically after drafting them and trying to get your beans through this process of drying and roasting and you know, shipping them off. And it's pretty difficult. Like the solo is really hard. Like my score is really abysmal, <laughs> but I love it. I love the artwork. It's a kind of like art deco artwork. I really love it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. All right. And what, if you had to, okay, well, well let's play the game, right? The, what is it? The, the, um... The doomsday game like you know you have you know all four so i know i know where you're five go listen to ben's thing for her for her five yeah. like and there was some good ones on there like you know you mentioned petrichor that's a that's a hidden gem petrichor oh, is a yeah. hidden gem it's a delightful game it. it's, it's amazing yeah about clouds and petrichor is like what is it the the scent of like dew after Dirt, a rainstorm like after after oh, okay. rain like the, the scent of the earth after rain which is yeah amazing mm -hmm. yeah um all four games have fallen out. What's the what's the solo game? It's specifically the solo game that you're keeping. Oh my gosh, the solo game that I'm keeping. Wow, that's so hard. <laughs> I think I will have to say Fleet the Dice. Fleet game. the Dice game. So oh, that's so hard. I don't want to pick just one. They all fall. It's not you picking. They all fall out. <laughs> <laughs> 
which one are you grabbing first? So Fleet the Dice Game. So uh, Fleet the Dice Game being uh, awesome, right? And yeah. it is like combo-licious, right? It, you know, you're, you're, you're rolling yeah. it out. And I actually, I like the original Fleet. So if you oh, uh, like the original, the original, the original card game, I'm a, I'm a card game guy. I'm more of, more uh, of a card game guy than a dice game guy. Uh, although dice are fine. Uh, and, but fleet was a engine building kind of in the, in a mold of like a race for the galaxy ish game with the multi-use uh -huh. cards and like combos at the end. So it's like, you know, so you have to, you have um, like a pile of chits, which is like fish and you know, you're playing, you're, you're playing your boat. Like you kind of like you're doing in the dice game, you're playing your boat card, you have licenses. So like, you can't play a boat card without playing the license card. There's a bidding mechanism to get the licenses in the first place. Mm -hmm. There is combos, so it's like you want the cod with the lobster so that you get that combo going. You want the processing vessel so that you can get that combo going. And then it does that thing where it's like, it just fishes the whole thing out at like end because because everybody's got their engine going. Oh, that's really cool. You know, so it's like you got, you know, dribble, 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 dribble. Yeah. And Fleet of Dice game replicates that because it's like dribble, dribble, dribble. Whoa! <laughs> Look at all the combos. Look at all the stars. Is that, yeah. is, that, is that what you enjoy about it? I love it, yeah. I love all the comboing, which I think is great. And uh, yeah, I love how strategic it is for a game that just has like two sheets of paper, a couple of cards and some dice and the dice are just so gorgeous. And mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. I, I, I don't think we have a playthrough in the One Stop Co-op shop. I think you're inspiring me to uh, get that on the table and do a playthrough. Oh, yay. I, yeah, I will do totally that. Should. Yeah. I, I totally should. Uh, I gotta check that though, we'll see. <laughs> we have a lot of videos in the One Stop Co-op shop. Uh, okay, so that is Sarah, the gaming uh, gaming verse, uh, her gaming origin story and everything, and you know a little bit of the culture stuff. Uh, again, you know Sarah's all over the place. Open book, go ahead and go follow her. Boy, gives it a minute on Twitter oh, yeah. and all these other places. I'm way too much of an open book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so education time, people. Uh, you know, and a cultural education. Uh, there are not. We we just don't have a lot of Muslims here in our gaming space. We have them, we have gamers. Like I've actually had, uh, I did a, a Twitter thread recently and I've actually had a couple of people that like, ooh, you know, I'm Muslim, da, 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 and everything. And that was really good, you wow. know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, I, I kind of like, you, you know, it's kind of like uh, putting a fire up in the in the forest and then people kind of attracted to the fire. It's like, oh, I didn't know there was a fire here. Uh, so like, yeah, that was cool. But like in the content creator verse, we, you know, it's not, it's a, yeah. a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, barren. So. I think there's a, a little bit of education that, that could happen when it comes to, and I don't want to make this like, you know, let's teach class, I, you know, you're a living person. And, you know, I'd love to know how Islam kind of plays out in your everyday life. Hmm. Well, for Muslims, and, you know, again, before we even start, I want to say I don't speak for all Muslims everywhere. Oh, sure. This is just this is just me. And, you know, I, I would say that, um, like a lot of people in this world, I kind of have a complicated relationship with religion. Like sometimes I'm very close to it. Sometimes I'm a bit more removed from it, depending on my own mental state, my emotional state and what's happening in my own life. Um, you know, um, but uh, yeah, for Muslims around the world, Muslim like Islam is supposed to, you know, is a big part of your life. It's like an everyday thing that you, you know, how you live your life, you live your life by these Islamic principles of, you know, how you treat other people and what you believe your purpose is on this planet and, you and know, what you eat. What you eat, yes. And, you know, even though I'm not a very good Muslim in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, I don't pray five times a day 
or whatever. But yeah, I do follow like the dietary restrictions. I've never eaten pork except for accidentally a couple of times, which purely accidental. In America, you can't avoid it. Like they'll stick bacon into anything. Like yeah, I'm I've that. had bacon ice cream. Like, what about what is this doing in here? Bacon ice cream? Oh my god! Well, no, I was such an idiot. Like, I honestly didn't know what BLT stood for and what the BLT, and bit into it, and I'm like, what? What is this? And then I find out that the B stood for bacon, and I'm like, how did I not realize this? And this was when I was in college. So yeah, so I've accidentally eaten bacon, and then I was like running around trying to find a toothbrush on campus. I was like, oh my god, I need to brush out that that flavor from my mouth. I was just yeah, I was a bit of a wreck. And I don't drink alcohol because alcohol, you know, drinking alcohol is a huge sin in Islam as well. Um, is there a, a rationale for that that you're aware of? Yeah, um, because it you know it makes it makes you lose your inhibitions, like you know. Oh no, I, the, the the pork thing. I know about the alcohol. Oh, oh okay. Oh, the pork thing. Yes, yeah. it's considered an unclean meat. And if you look at, I mean, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the Old Testament, pork was also forbidden in the Old Testament. There's a reason that Jews and Muslims don't eat pork, and we still abide by that. But I I do believe that at one point in history, even Christians were forbidden from eating mm-hmm. pork and did follow that rule as well. And I even know Christians who don't. Eat pork because of that um it's just considered an unhealthy unclean meat um mm-hmm. in the way especially that- like culturally if they're kind of in the orthodox tradition like you know they are, you grew, grew up a little bit closer to that land and that yeah. semitic influence is still present like if you get the further away you get from that the more it's like That's you know true. they'll yeah. in they'll you know like if you go into you know britain and france and western europe and then all the different places but if you're like a christian there's many many christians millions of christians you know, uh, in still in, in the, that area of the world, oh, yeah. it's going to yeah. look a lot like, you know, oh, um, for sure. Like, um, you know, we will get into that later, but like, there's a lot of uh, Christian Palestinians. There's a lot of Christians in Lebanon. There's Christians in that part of the world. And, you know, culturally they are very, you know, very similar to Muslims and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I believe that's why pork is forbidden. And also, you know, there's that whole thing about the animal and the hooves that it has and, um, you know, how the animal in its day-to-day life, how clean that animal is and how it behaves. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so it's not just culture. I mean, so, you know, full disclosure, before all this culture stuff, before I was a psychotherapist, I was a religion, stu- religion scholar. Oh, wow. I was a interreligious, I, that was my, my specialization was interreligious dialogue. Uh, my college, Brooklyn College, did not have a religion major. Like, or I had a religion major, but didn't have any, any classes because all the professors were gone. So yeah. I went all over the world and I studied religion in different countries. So it's like I took religions of China in China, the religion of India in India, you know, all these different places. And so I do have a background, not just like, you know, <laughs> just letting people know. Um, but it's, I think it's really important to know that Christians, Jews, and Islam that's not three different religions in the way that we understand, like they're totally sectioned off. Like they, there's a, we're children of Abraham. Like we all, there's, this is a, there's a common root here. And I think we need to know that. I think we need oh, just yeah. to, just to cover it a little bit of education about, uh, you know, that just the, the common root that, you know, if you are a person of oh, faith yeah. at all, Yeah, you know, when I was doing so before law school, um, if people have listened to some of my interviews, they would know that before law school, I had started a PhD in Middle Eastern studies, it was an area that, you know, because my roots are, you know, going way back, go to Prophet Muhammad, and I was always very um, fascinated by the area, I wanted to learn more about where my ancestors were from, and learn more about the politics and the culture of the region. And so, I had started a PhD, I ended up not finishing it. So I just took the master's and left. But I, um, 
I took a few couple of religious studies classes as well, including uh, a Jewish studies class. And I just loved, like, I actually wrote my paper on um, how in Islam, like, you know, we believe that it was one son that Abraham wanted to, was about to sacrifice where Jewish and Christian people believe it was the other son. And I'm just so right. fascinated by that. Like, right. you know, so like, like the, the story being Abraham, we like most of us culturally know about Abraham taking uh, Isaac up to the, the mouth. And it's like, I, and, and it's like, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that's the yeah, line. But Muslims believe it's Ismail who was Ishmael, about to yes. be sacrificed. Yeah. So it's just so fascinating to me. But yes, we all, you know, are these monotheistic faiths, which believe in the same God, which I think a lot of people don't realize, or some people, I think, you know, even when you tell them that they don't want to acknowledge that Muslims believe that they believe in the same God as Jews and Christians, of course, putting aside the Trinity. That I, I, oh, we don't, We're not going to get into the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something I, I yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so we believe in the same gods. We have a lot of the same prophets. Like a lot of people are so surprised when I tell them like how Jesus is mentioned in the Quran and how Mary is mentioned in the Quran more times than she was mentioned in the Old Testament. Even you know what I mean? And she's the mentioned Testament. in the. Uh, oh, I thought it was yeah. the. Is it the new the Old Testament the old? is the is the is a Jewish book, and then the oh, New sorry, Testament. Oh, sorry, the New Testament. Christians. And right. she's mentioned more times in the Holy Book than even Muhammad is. Like that's how important. Mary and Jesus are to us. And a lot of people, you know, I tell them that, you know, Muslims believe that Jesus never died. And that's like something that's like mind blowing to them that they don't even realize. Um, so yeah, I mean, can I just basically tell you how we believe Jesus didn't die? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You, you seem, so, I, I, you seem so excited. I love this. <laughs> yeah. So Muslims believe, you know, he was a prophet of God. So we acknowledge him as a prophet of God, but not the son of God, because we as Muslims, one of the biggest, um, tenets of our faith is that God neither begets nor was he begotten. So it's extremely important for us to believe in the oneness of God and believe that he has no children and he was not born to right. anyone or any entity either. So Jesus was a prophet of God, but we believe that um, when his enemies were after him, God wanted to save him. So he lift, lifted Jesus up to heaven. And the person who was killed on the cross was actually one of Jesus's enemies mm -hmm. whose face was made to look like Jesus. So we do believe that Jesus will return someday with the Messiah to fight the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do have a lot of similarities as well. There are differences, but we have a lot in common, in fact. And, uh, you know, I wish people would focus on that and embrace the commonalities and, uh, you know, view each other as cousins, if not brothers and sisters, at least like, I love, you know, meeting people who are of other faiths. And especially when I, you know, I, I love my like Christian and Jewish cousins. And I, you know, I love enjoying, I enjoy talking to them about religion and getting to know them and, and appreciating the similarities that we have and use that to build our relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about brotherhood. I mean, we often we can't get along within <laughs> the oh, different yes. things. Right? <laughs> Even within Islam, there's a lot of right. uh, fighting. And, you so know, you so you were talking before about you know Shias and Sunnis, yeah. uh, and is that a is that a right framing? Like it's you know sometimes I hear like that's okay framing. Sometimes I hear that like you know that's too simple or you know I don't know what. So um, you know, as a Shia, I know. 
I've studied my faith really in depth. I mean, at one point in my life, I was way more religious than I am now. And I actually wanted to go to Iran to study, to become a woman, Mulana. A Mulana um, in Shiism is someone who basically is like, it's like the equivalent term of imam, which is what Sunnis use. Shias don't use the term imam to basically describe their priest or whatever, because we have 12 imams, which is something different. It's, there's so much you know that you can study and learn um, that it gets a bit complicated. Um, uh, so a lot of people would say that the only difference between Shias and Sunnis is political. I would say that's not 100% true, but just as many non-Muslims have misconceptions about Muslims in general, a lot of Sunnis have misconceptions about Shias, in fact. And, you know, um, an interesting fact that I tell people is that you know, there is this uh, perception that the terrorists are all out to get all the non-Muslims and kill all the non-Muslims of the world. And, you know, we get judged based on the actions of a few extremists in the world when the vast majority of Muslims in the world are not like that. And an interesting fact I like to tell people is that, in fact, the terrorists have killed more Shias than they have ever killed non-Muslims. Mm-hmm. We are their bigger target than non-Muslims are. We are considered, me, like Shias, and other Shias in this world are considered to be infidels by these terrorists. Like they view us as a bigger threat to them than non-Muslims even. Um, I had an uncle who was killed by the Taliban in Pakistan. So, um, you know, that's something I tell people. And I, you know, try to educate my Muslim friends who are Sunni because, um, you know, that extremist ideology, there was a period of time in the U.S. where it really did infiltrate a lot of mosques in the, even America. And I faced a lot of discrimination in my own hometown for being Shia. We were the only Shia family in a city filled with Sunnis. And we faced mm. so much discrimination because of that. And it took years to undo the the hatred that these people brought into the community and Mm. um so there's a lot of education to be done even within the community itself and the basic difference being like lineage lineage yes so the basic difference is who was to succeed prophet muhammad and become the leader Mm. of the islamic community and shias believe it was to be his uh cousin and his son-in-law um so his cousin was married to his daughter fatima and then they had some children and so she has believed that the imamate that the caliphate should have gone to ali and we believe in the imamate which is 12 imams and so that's what we follow whereas sunnis believe it was the caliphate and for them ali was actually the third caliph caliph whereas ali was our first imam so um we have this um concept of imamate while Sunnis have this concept of caliphate so yeah and, it, and not that it's impo- like it's super important for people to know but it's like you know it does come from somewhere it's not like they people made it up and it's not like it it it, it matters you know <laughs> like these differences matter they don't they shouldn't matter that much they shouldn't be that they, they like, shouldn't matter that yeah. much and it's sad because like even recently a bunch of shia girls were killed on a bus in afghanistan and you know, it's something that you won't even hear much about even in Muslim countries because the girls were Shia. It's like, oh, okay, Shia girls died. Like, Mm. hatred has really uh, seeped into the community and it's really sad. And I, you know, we're working hard. A lot of people are working hard to try to make Muslims united because we have other 
fish to fry. Like we are viewed, you know, Muslims in general are viewed as terrorists by like a vast majority of the world. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. look at those people. Look at those terrorists. Like they want to burn us all. They want to kill us all. They want to, you know, they think that we're all infidels. Like, no. So we have so much more that we need to be doing as a community. And so infighting and all of that is not helping us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when you really look at this stuff and I get what you have to, you have to get into, you know, this, the, what we know about, which is like a lot of the wars and all that kind of thing, but like, you know, it's, it's over a billion people oh, and yeah. it's, you know, and it's, and it's instantiated all over the place. Like, you know, you can have stories of the Mali empire in North Africa was, you know, run by Muslims and that, you know, we're talking North Africa, we're talking Egypt, we're talking, you know, uh, Iberian, there's a long tradition of Iberian Moroccan, uh, Muslims, and then you go out. You know, you go into India, as you were mentioning, yeah. with Pakistan. You go into Southeast Asia. I mean, there and there's all different kinds. Uh, the 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 what I, the person that gave me the most education when I was in New Zealand of all places, uh, and it was a Somalian Muslim man. And yeah, at the time I was like traveling. I was like I was really uh, I was like in my twenties, and I was kind of questioning, and I was really open to it. I was open, like okay, what I really want to know what are the paths? And I was look, thinking about it. It's like, oh man, this is a path for me. And so this man is such a beautiful man. He's from Somalia, war refugee, you know, so has that kind of like, doesn't waste a minute of life type thing yeah. of going on about him. And his wife was Jehovah's Witness from America. So I was like, <laughs> but they made it work. And he ran, you know, he ran his mosque and he kind of gave me an education and he was such a beautiful man. And it's just, it is, it is a beautiful faith. You know, that, that generates a lot of good, despite what we, you know, the, the Western the, media. Yeah, mm-hmm. the media is a huge problem. And if the media just continues in the way it is, you know, we're never, I feel like well, we won't see any progress in this world. And it upsets me that the media still how it portrays Muslims and incidents that happen in other parts of the world, the language that is used. Like, you know, if you really get down to it, the way that headlines are written and articles are written, the way things are presented, it's very intentional. And it, you know, continues this, you know, belief that Muslims are terrorists, that we should be all, you know, that everyone should be afraid of them, that they want to kill all Americans, that they want, you know, all these things, which are not true. Like, you know, there's over a billion Muslims in this world and the terrorists are a tiny, the extremists are a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, so uh, uh, so this is a just, a just the beginning, just a dusting, you know, a, a real person living this faith and, you know, we're just as just the beginning, you know, we really want to, or I really want to, like on my channel, and then I'm sure Sarah as well, and her witness and her work and everything, just like, get the word out, you know, these, we're talking about human beings over here, and so much of the you know, conflict, it, ha- it requires an understanding of it. So this is the start. Uh, but I will end the, uh, the podcast portion of it here. If there was a aspect or maybe multiple aspects of Islam that would make a good board game, that would kind of, you know, that you can borrow in yeah. and you would love to see, whether it's an historical, like, you know, the, the Muhammad, you know, um, the kind of like spreading Islam in the beginning yeah. in, in Saudi Arabia, whether it's a, a cultural piece, whether it's, uh, you know, some kind of diasporic mm-hmm. piece, like, what do you think would be a good, what would make a good scintillating, like, let's get Ian O'Toole over here and draw this up and let's get <laughs> different people you in know, there and make know- this look great. I have an answer because I've actually thought about creating a board game about this. Um, So the prophet's grandson was killed in a battle in Iraq um, in, I got the the year escapes my mind. I think it was like uh, 
It would be like 700s, 800s. Right? I think it was 732 or oh, was it 782? I can't remember the year now exactly. Um, 80. So the Prophet's grandson, Hussein, was killed in a battle of Karbala. And this is a really important event for Shia Muslims. And even more and more non-Shias are starting to realize the importance of this event. So this one individual and a small group of followers, like there, you know, there was only a handful of them against an army of like 10,000 and they were brutally massacred but he was standing up for truth and justice and so he knew that he was going to lose his life in this battle but it was important for him to stand up and fight for truth and justice he was fighting against a caliph at that time who had completely corrupted the message of islam and was living his life in a way that was completely un-Islamic. And so he was trying to bring back Islam and uh, to what his grandfather had taught and what he himself was practicing, um, you know, the good version of Islam. Um, But he was brutally massacred. He was beheaded. His little six-month-old baby was beheaded. Like a bunch of them, you know, were just killed and and the women were imprisoned. And, but it's just such an important event in history. And it means a lot to so many Muslims. And I, if I could create a board game about that, that would be really. That what would it be? That sounds like, it sounds like a war game. A war game. Yeah, it would definitely it, be a war game. Like an area control type game or yeah, like. Maybe. A... Yeah. But then, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if a game could do justice to it. Um, and you know, in, in reality, it went one way. And if, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I would have to think long and hard about whether actually it could be made into a board game, and what it would mean, if mm-hmm. players from one side won, or if players from like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I would have to think long and hard about that. But it's something I've thought about. Um, so themes all over the place, people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the 500,000 game about, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. So we are going to conclude the podcast portion here. Once again, uh, Sarah, go ahead and tell the people where they can contact you. Sure. You can find me under board games in a minute on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you're on, or also TikTok, oh no, uh, TikTok and Puffindor as well. So TikTok and Twitter and Puffindor. So that's P-U-F-F-I-N-D-O-R. Yeah. All right, Sarah Shah, thank you very much for coming by. Yeah, thank you. If you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, later, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.